0: Well, I'm going to invite uh, Jay and Mary to come on up. Uh, Jay is and Mary are both serving as residents uh, here this fall, and uh, Jay is going to be serving as our pastoral resident, and Mary as our social media savant. It's um, a cool word. Um, we just want to kind of get, get to know them. and continue our, our kind of testimonies on Sunday night. Why don't you guys first just tell us uh, a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, and Um, what are you doing here in in Rock Hill for for jobs?
1: Okay, so I actually grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, just a little bit down the the road. Uh, Went to North Greenville and then to uh, Southeastern Seminary. Um, I am working at Providence Classical School just about two blocks down um, as a sixth-grade teacher. And
2: I am from upstate New York, so you'll probably hear a little bit of Northern accent from me. I went to North Greenville University also, and currently I'm at John Brown University online, and I am working right now with Life Touch as a school photographer. Uh, well,
0: how did you become Christians? How did the Lord call you to himself?
2: Sure. Um, so I grew up in upstate New York, and I had no religious background. Nobody in my family is religious or anything, and if they were, they would plain Catholic, but there was nothing there. And when I moved to South Carolina, everybody was like, you're not in church, and I I felt almost like bullied because I wasn't in church, but as life kind of got harder, being in middle school, um, pretty much, I saw, I was like, people in church are happy, and I wanna be happy, so I asked my mom if I could go to church, and when I was there, the first time the gospel was actually ever presented to me, I was 13 years old, and it was through the song, like, oh, happy day, Um, but then after that, I kept going, and it sounds terrible, but there was a boy there that I liked, and so
0: that got me there for a while. It was not him. <laughs> that was not Jay. <laughs> 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 for the record. But um,
2: through that, I got connected. And then one Sunday, I just kind of realized that I had the words that I was singing in the songs, And that was kind of like a whoa moment. And from there, I went to an adult leader when I was 14 years old at that point And she loved you to Christ that night. Um, and since then the church is all I kind of gather me in my family and also just seeing you know the hope that God has given me has completely transformed my life into a 180
1: so my background's polar opposite I actually grew up in a family that went to church I think I started attending a church nine months before being born Um, and so for me the gospel there was no moment in life that I never knew it it was as I learned the English language I learned the story of God as I learned what the what love is and that my parents love me I learned there is a God that loved me as I learned they had rules that I broke I learned God had rules that I had broken and the consequences were much greater um, so for me growing up in the church there wasn't one moment one single point where I went from total rebellion to God to acceptance of God but really rather just a series of events where God kept using different aspects of life to draw me closer to himself until one day I realized that I was effectively his and Willing to do whatever he called me to do.
0: But how did you two meet?
1: Um, You want me me to do it? Okay, so we met at North Greenville. We were actually on the media team together, though that wasn't when we were even friends at the time.
0: So you guys Um, worked together and you weren't friends?
1: Correct. She was my boss. I told her I wouldn't listen. Um, (laughs) Love at first sight. Yeah, exactly. Um, It wasn't until after I graduated that I recognized there could be more to it, and she adamantly told me no, there will never be. We became friends, and several years later more became the leg of the relationship <laughs> friends.
0: <laughs> so you wore her down?
1: Basically, yeah. A whole lot of no, 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 okay, fine.
0: Okay, that works. Um, well, how did how did the Lord in his kindness bring you to Park Baptist Church? Maybe a little bit of how that how that developed.
1: So this is actually Right towards the very beginning of our dating, I went with her to her church and through the guy who had planted her church, um, who was no longer pastoring there but now works at the convention, um, got in touch with him. He got me in touch with a couple guys in the convention who then led me towards Dave. Um, once Dave and I met, I, I accepted the position to come as a resident and then later I'll let Mary kind of tell
2: so after I graduated North Greenville in 2016, I worked there for two years, um, and then it was very evident towards last semester that that would be my last semester at North Greenville, but I really had no idea what I was doing. At this point, we were also dating long distance, and so when I wound up leaving that job, um, you know, we kind of talked with Dave a little bit, and came in and met with Dave, and I was just like, I don't know where better to leave, and I'd rather be living in the city that... <laughs> it was, it terrible that that's kind of the way that it just kind of stumbled upon me that way
0: so, We will be your first choice and your last choice. <laughs> Come on Only choice um, <laughs> Only choice. we'll take it. Uh, well you've been here for a few months now. How has uh, this body been encouraging uh, to you and your walks with the Lord?
2: love and kindness that it's honestly overwhelms me um because i've come from bigger churches and so even like to be up on a stage and be able to see the church body like right now is a weird thing for me and just being able to be you know living in people's houses and going over to people's for dinners and through the summer and everything um just people you know encouraging me you know having meals i mean i cannot thank you guys enough already for all that
1: uh, I'd say the greatest encouragement I've had here, honestly, is the love for all ages. Um, I've been in churches where older people are loved, and I've been in churches where younger people are loved, but I've seen very, very few that can manage to love both at the same time. Um, to see every, I mean, everyone pouring into the children's ministry and, and thriving there, as well as having um, elderly members that are still loving to, to pour in and to, to be a part of the church, and having younger, like, college-age people being willing to go visit the elderly are very, very rare aspects of church. And so seeing a church where it seems like most every generation loves all the other generations is a very rare, um, very unique quality to, to park.
0: Well, how can we be praying for you guys?
1: Um, biggest prayer request would be the fact that we're engaged. Uh, we get, we'll get married in December here, so obviously kind of the, the, the stress and anxiety goes to prepping that, but more especially the struggles and all that will come of
2: making two lives one yeah i'd say definitely our marriage um and then also you know the months leading up to it juggling you know different jobs and being in school and stuff like that so there's a lot going on but i mean that's
0: marriage is still the biggest thing right now to be praying for amen let's pray father we thank you for uh, the kindness that you have given um to jay and mary in in yourself, God, we thank you that you have opened their eyes to the beauty of Christ. Uh, God, we thank you that you have brought them together. Uh, we thank you so much for uh, this engagement and upcoming marriage. God, we pray that you give them uh, grace and patience with each other. Father, you give them uh, just kindness in the logistics of planning. Father, in all the different interactions of uh, family dynamics and uh, all the different stresses of life, God, I pray that you would just work through them to show your good, kind um, and loving mercy to them. So, Father, we pray that you would bless them as they continue to grow here in this body. We pray that you would continue to use them to, to strengthen our, our body, God, that we'd be a better function of your great glory. Uh, we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Well, if you take your copy of God's Word and turn to First uh, Samuel, First uh, Samuel chapter uh, 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be going through First uh, Samuel on Uh, Sunday evenings um, as we work through, just kind of finished up uh, Ruth and Esther uh, last semester. So we're going to be going through this. Let me, uh, before we really kind of dig into um, the the text, let me just kind of read the text. So we're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1, uh, the prayer of Hannah. We'll go to verse uh, 11, uh, and then uh, I'll pray, and then we'll dive into the word together. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, and she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, and the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. Father, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Uh, We thank you so much for how you have given this prayer to us, to to model to us how we can trust you in good and in bad. God, how we can always exalt in you. We pray as we learn uh, from this mother, God, uh, we pray that we would... Form our, our prayers theologically. Help us understand even more about the goodness of your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the highlights uh, for me this past uh, fall, or the past uh, spring, was our women's discipleship class. And uh, we, you know, a couple years ago, I was, uh, last summer actually, I was in Boston, And I was talking to the pastors, asking, hey, how do you disciple your women? How do you pour into women in your church to help them become fully formed disciples of the Lord Jesus? Uh, and he kind of walked me through some of his his women's discipleship class that he that he does and the books that they read. So I said, you know, I think the women in our church would love that. And uh, so we started it last December was the, 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 the in- email was sent out. And uh, we had about 20 folks kind of sign up to kind of go through these classes. And we read through different theological books, a book on the gospel, a book on conversion, a book on women's ministry and, and a book on, on how do we prepare teaching. Um, and it was great to see uh, women. Uh, not just talking and thinking about their role as women, but their role as Christians, right? Uh, one of the books that we read was on conversion, and I kind of kind of heard through the grapevine, why are we studying a book on conversion in a women's discipleship class? Well, it's very clear. If you are a woman, you should understand conversion. You should understand soteriology, because just because you're a woman doesn't mean you should not understand theology. Theology is for all people. All of us are formed and shaped to understand the things of, of God. And I love how in the scripture, you can kind of see it in different parts of scripture. We saw that as we, as we went through um, uh, First and Second Kings and we saw the different women, how God kind of highlighted in, in Elijah and Elisha's ministry. We see the same thing here. What we see is a godly prayer by a mother. But the, the prayer is not just, thank God that I have a child now. No, this prayer is theological. This prayer is, is highlighting the character and person of God. So no matter what phase of life you're in, we should learn from this that uh, the average Christian man and woman should pray and think theologically. Let's walk through our text today and think about this mother's prayer and how this mother should uh, help us learn about our own prayer life. Uh, first, we see a prayer for the Lord's vindication, a prayer for the Lord's vindication. And Hannah prayed and said, well, before we stop there, we understand all this backstory story of, of those of you who weren't here last week of, of what happened. Uh, Hannah uh, was not able to have children. She was she was barren and she prayed for a child and she was crying out in the temple. She looked so distraught and in anguish that that the, that the Eli, the priest, looked at her and thought she was drunk. And Eli looked at her and said, your, your request will be granted. And God in his mercy granted her request. And she struggled with this, that early time of giving up her, her child. We talked about all the emotions that, that, were, that were there. So Hannah went to the temple and gave up her child, the child that she longed for, that she dreamed of, that she couldn't wait to have. And he, she freely gave Samuel up to Eli to serve the Lord there. And then she prayed and said, so this prayer that that we read, it's not just a prayer of uh, of a Christian woman, one who believes in, in the promise of the Messiah, which we'll see. No, this is a prayer of a a mother in anguish, a prayer of, of, of a mother in with joy. Uh, this this woman goes to the Lord, and the first thing that she prays is is her her own heart. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My strength and my heart is fully in the Lord. I'm putting all my hope and all my trust in him. You know, it's interesting when we when we see that Hannah put her trust in the Lord before she had her child, you know, uh, before Samuel was given to Hannah, we, we know that, that she trusted in the Lord because she went to the Lord. She cried out to the Lord for uh, a child and God graciously responded. And yet here God has, has given her requests and and, and, and what, is, what does she say? Listen, my heart exalts in the Lord. I'm still trusting in the Lord even after God has given me this child that I have now given back to him. It's interesting, Uh, John reminded me at the door, uh, John Whitaker, and we were just talking about the kindness that God has been to our church and all the different people who have been kind of coming through. And, you know, in typical, you know, wit fashion, he goes, isn't God good that we were just praying that God would bring more visitors to our church and God is bringing more visitors to our church? It's kind of like, yeah, we have been praying that, haven't we? It's kind of like, you know, we, i been so excited about all God bringing all these visitors that I, I, I have forgotten that the reason God has brought all these visitors is because we have been praying to the Lord for God to bring all these visitors. And how quick, and even, even, even I, to see all these things happening, to be one sense rejoicing that God is bringing these people and at the same time, forgetting that God is the one who's answering prayers in this Blessing. And I think what Hannah is reminding us here is that the Lord is the one who vindicates. The Lord is the one who, who is always there for his people. My heart exalts in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Now, I, I, you know, in different commentaries, is, is Hannah really only talking about uh, Paniah here, the one who was kind of verbally abusing her and, and, and chiding her for not having, having children? I'm not exactly sure. I think it's probably a larger one. Those who are uh, derived as my enemies, those are the enemies of the Lord. Because she's saying, I rejoice in my salvation, in your salvation, the salvation that the Lord gives. Gives. She is not primarily rejoicing in a child. You notice that? And God has given her a child that she has given back to the Lord. No, but she is rejoicing in the salvation of the Lord. That's where her joy is. You remember what the Lord Jesus says, and when the disciples went out and they did all these works of ministry, and they called down, um, they cast out demons in the name of the Lord, and Jesus says, "Do not rejoice in all this. Do not rejoice in your ministry, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life." So, in our lives, do we are we rejoicing in our our successes, our growth, our our successful ministry, the growth of our church, or are we primarily rejoicing that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that we belong to the Lord. The second thing we see here is a a prayer of the Lord's character, the the uniqueness of the Lord. Verse 2, there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. You see, the uniqueness of the Lord in that day, polytheism was very common. People worshiped a lot of different different gods like they do in our day. Uh, Many ways to heaven, they say. Uh, But Hannah is praying very theologically here. There is none like the Lord. There is none holy like the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. There is a uniqueness thing. There is a uniqueness about our God. I just love how Hannah is looking at and trusting in uh, the strength and the might of God. Uh, even in, in our lives, we think about how many times we forget the Lord. You know, we are a forgetful people, and we often uh, neglect and forget about Him. But Hannah's saying here, "There is none like the Lord. There is none besides You. You know, where are you going to turn? But to the Lord." Where are you going to go? You know, Hannah didn't have a child. She went to the Lord. Hannah received a child. She went to the Lord. There is nowhere else for you to go but the Lord. There is none like Him. There is no rock, no strength like our God. That's an often term used in the, Te- the Old Testament. You know, rock and God are kind of synonymous. This this strong strength Um you know, the other day I was, uh, was doing yard work and I got poison ivy. That stinks. Um, and in around the poison ivy, there's these giant rocks. And I'm like, wouldn't it be easier just to move these rocks? Have you ever try to move a giant rock? Right? This is just, you're just not going to be able to do it. It's, 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 it's a giant rock. Um, I think this is the thing about our Lord. Our, our, our God is so steady and so firm. He's never going to move. Just think about all the different things that have happened in your life this past week this past month, this past year, in your life, and how many times do you think that you're unstable, that you're overwhelmed, that you can't go on? What in those moments have we just reached out and just grabbed a rock and realized that our God is never going to move? Physically touched with it, our God will never move. He is our rock, and there is no one like our God. It's interesting when we talk about this idea of being holy, the Lord who calls us this morning, uh, the one who calls uh, us um, is holy, therefore we should be holy in all our conduct. We represent the Lord. We see it again here. There is none holy like the Lord. Listen, in this world, there's not going to be a lot of holiness. There's not going to be a lot of godliness. So how can the world know of the holiness of our God, but by the holiness of his people? This is why it's so important for us to live that holy and um, godly life. Number number three, we see the prayer for the Lord's justice, the prayer of the Lord's justice. And this is often seen in, in the Gospel of, of Luke, this kind of great reversal, how those who are wealthy become poor, those who are poor become become wealthy. And, and we, we know that when Hannah prayed this, that she probably didn't pray this in the isolation of her own room, she probably prayed this in, in the counsel of others, right? People are, are listening to her while she's she's praying, because her prayers are... Um, designed to, to warn those around us. Uh, many of us to, when we pray, even in service, if you, if you, if you've listened, some people say, oh Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, if there, anyone is lost and dead in their sins, we pray that they would wake up. Well, that's a prayer to the Lord. We're asking the Lord, but we're doing, we're praying that in the presence of other people to try to warn the people who are in the pew that if you don't know the Lord, that you would come. You know, there's that prayer. And this prayer is not only a prayer to the Lord, but this is a prayer of, of warning and, and, and calling to those who are in earshot of, of Hannah. This is one of the reasons why when we pray, we should always pray the gospel. I know many of you do that when you go to the hospital, uh, when you pray for people. Just pray the gospel. You know, we have the tremendous opportunity to, to drop seeds of gospel faith with people in our prayers. Verse 3, Hannah says to the Lord, Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Uh, how often do people boast <laughs> in their strength, in their power, in their knowledge, in their rightness, whether that's their political opinion or their theological opinion? Right? Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your, your mouth. Do you have friends in your life that are kind of like arrogant checks when you're acting arrogant or prideful? You know, um, I call that marriage, <laughs> the, the grounds for <laughs> crushing your own pride. Um, but you have people in your life who are able to speak to you in a very profound way. Hey, hey, you're, you're speaking with pride that you're willing to listen to. Now, So often that we're not willing to listen when people people rebuke us. Uh, but we, we don't want to be pride, prideful. You know, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And how often do we look at Christians and Christians are, are proud? Not proud of, of who they are in Christ, but proud in who they are. That not, should not be of Christians. Why? Because the Lord is the God of knowledge. He knows all the things why you should not be proud of yourself. He knows everything about you, and he weighs it all. Isn't that just a, 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 a shocking thing? How we see that theme throughout scriptures, even this morning, knowing that we should conduct ourselves with fear. Why? Because God is impartial. He's our impartial judge who will give each one according to his deeds. The Lord knows. So if you are the proud Guess what? You're going to be humbled. But if you're humble, you're going to be exalted. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 4 The bows of the mighty are broken, and the feeble bind on strength. This, this great reversal is going to happen. Those who, who find themselves mighty and trust in their, their military might and their bows, by the Lord that bow would be snapped and broken. But those who are weak, God will lift up. God will give strength. Those who are, who are, who are full have hired themselves out for bread. And those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. One of the challenges of, of people um, who have resources and have money. They think that they're always going to have it. And even even this morning, what did you see? It says that we are born again, not through a perishable seed of what? Money and gold. That's perishable. It will not last. Wealth here, those who have plenty, will one day end up hungry. You see that theme in all throughout the scriptures. It's prophesied in the Old Testament. A prayer a prophesied here. Uh, it's a prayer of prophecy in many ways from from Hannah. We see that in Revelation, this great reversal of fortune. Those who had who had money now have have nothing. But those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Uh, this is there's this great reversal, this ex- exaltation of those who are who are poor and those who are hungry. The barren has borne seven. But she who has many children is forlorn. And it really just comes down to, do you know the Lord? Are you trusting the Lord? And you know, Hannah trusted the Lord when things were good and trusted the Lord when things are bad. At the end of the day, there will be justice. God will bring justice upon this earth. We don't have to fear. God will bring his justice to bear. So, uh, number four, we see a prayer for the Lord's sovereignty. Now, this we're getting. Don't don't lose the fact that this is just a woman praying to the Lord. You know, I, I read um, an article a while back, and it said uh, the the problem with a lot of ministries at churches is that you you see someone who is gifted and talented, and what you do is that you send them away to go to seminary, right? rather than keeping them in the church and using them and and growing them in the local local body. Uh, I pray that women like Hannah, men like um, other men in the scriptures who are godly, (laughs) I pray that that is not abnormal, but that is normal. That is normative to our church, right? That we have men and women who love theology, who love sound doctrine, who are holy and who are godly, who are able to give themselves in discipleship—that that would not be abnormal. That would be the norm. So often, when you go to churches, someone who is truly living the life right for Christ is what is abnormal and weird. So they say you must go to seminary and go give yourself to call to mission. Missionary, I pray that we here would have that kind of character. That that is the norm. People praying prayers like like this. A prayer, number four, for the Lord's sovereignty. Listen to Hannah's trust in the Lord. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and to inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them He has set the Lord, the world. He will guard the feet of His faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. You can see why Hannah feels this way. She, she understands that she was barren; there was no hope for her to have a child year after year, remember back in, in chapter 1, that, that refrain year after year after year, she went to the temple and, and nothing happened and was, was maligned. She knows that if the Lord wants to bring life, He will. If the Lord wants to kill, He will. He is the Lord. For me, there's something a, a profound sweetness to know that God is in charge of the universe. That, that all the trials that, that come to me pass through His hand that he will not allow anything to happen to me that he doesn't think is ultimately for my good. We know that things that happen in our life are not all good, but God will use all things in my life for good because he is the Lord. He kills, he brings life, he makes poor and he makes rich. It is the Lord's sovereign um, design to give and to take away. So when we start questioning what God is doing in our lives, sometimes we're questioning God's wisdom and we're questioning God's sovereignty. This is exactly what happened to Jonah. Jonah was angry that the Lord saved the Ninevites. Why was he angry? I knew you were going to do that. That's why I ran. I didn't want you to, to come and show your kindness to the Ninevites. So what are you going with right now where you're trusting the Lord's sovereignty? Is it your singleness, your childlessness, your finances, your parents, your grandchildren, your health? Friends, we are always tempted to despair. Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? But listen, the Lord knows. The Lord is the one who's sovereign. Now, the question I, I would have for Hannah, Hannah, would you pray this prayer if God never gave you a child? I think she would. I think she would. God knows her heart. She cried out in anguish. The Lord is the one who's in charge. The pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And on him he has set the world. The Lord is in charge. He is the sovereign king of all the universe. I love verse 9. He will guard the feet of His faithful ones. If you are faithful to the Lord, He will guard you. And He may not guard you fully in this life, but He will guard you in the life to come. Lastly, we see a prayer for the Lord's King. A prayer for the Lord's King. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them... He will thunder in heaven. That idea of broken to pieces is a very very similar phrasing uh, to Psalm 2. Uh, when it says that the, that the, the anointed one will, will smash, will break to pieces the, the nations who stand against the Lord. Really all of this, this psalm is kind of modeled um, or really kind of seen almost identically, kind of pictured in, in Mary's uh, uh, psalm in uh, Luke chapter, chapter 1. And they really they kind of connect that really for this last sentence. It says, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now, remember, we're coming out of the period of Judges when every there was no king in the land and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And Samuel is not thinking of a king. Right, or you know, Hannah and Elkanah are not thinking of a king at this point. Uh, you know, Samuel was was going to be dedicated to the Lord as as, as a priest and as a as a judge and a prophet. But what, what, why this thing of why my reference king? He will give strength to his king, and again, and exalt the horn of his anointed. What what the biblical writer is trying to show you here, and God's. Uh, sovereign, progressive revelation is that a king is coming. Uh, we see in, in this book, we'll see Saul, a, a false, manly king, lifted up. And then we'll see David, the true king. But not only David, the son of David. So what, what Hannah is praying here, he's saying he, he will give strength to his king. I think he's she's speaking prophetically. She's speaking about the Messiah, the, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. God will give strength to his king. What kind of strength will he give? Well, he'll give strength to endure uh, temptation. Jesus was tempted in every way and yet was without sin. He will give strength to endure the, the wrath of God on the cross. Lord, is there another way? Let it be so. For not my will, but thy will be done. He'll give strength to the, to the king to stay upon the cross. As he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But they'll give him strength to rise from the dead, conquering death's sting. Give him strength to return in all his glory with all his saints beside him. Give him strength to, to be seated even now at the right hand of God Almighty. Hannah is praying this prayer. She is praying this prayer as a, as a prophetess. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Friends, we know that the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. But he will only give strength to his king and to those who are connected with the king. The question for us is, do you have the king? are you with the king do you have the strength that comes along with knowing jesus christ as savior and lord the, the king that was promised long ago from genesis chapter 3 and onward in your heart do you exalt in the lord exalt in the horn of the anointed his strength his power and not just in a in a in a salvation sense meaning that i i, I know i'm a christian but today, do you know that Jesus Christ has you, that you belong to him? No matter what uh, waves come in your life, do you know that you belong to the Lord? See, this, this, this godly woman, this, this mother, prayed a prophetic prayer of the Messiah who is to come. Her, her prayers were shaped about a, a significant trust in the character of the Lord, for there is none like him. Uh, Her prayers are shaped in the justice that will happen at the end of days. And her her, her prayer is shaped in in a theology of God's sovereignty, that she, he is the one who's in control. And her prayer is shaped by her trust in God's promise to send his king to die for sinners and to be raised for our hope. Friends, I pray that we would pray like Hannah, A simple mother who prayed with good theology for the glory of God. Father, we thank you for uh, prayers like Hannah. We thank you so much for how it shows and shapes the, the sovereignty of God, your character, and God, your promised King. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for giving him strength to bear our sins on a cross. God, we pray now that you would give us strength to walk in his footsteps. For the glory of his name. Amen.